Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. As always, I am Bryson Carver. Today's show is not live. It has been pre-recorded, but make no mistake about it. We still have a packed show. Last night's Niners, Seahawks game, San Francisco now the first team in the National Football League to clinch their division. They clinched the NFC West against their division rival Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. Got big reaction for that game. And week 15, we got a triple header tomorrow. Obviously, we got some Saturday NFL action, and we got some amazing games on Sunday. The Sunday night game is fascinating with some big major playoff ramifications. My upset of the week may shock you guys, and my Bryson's Bleak bet just may shock you guys. Uh, if I were a betting man, that, it, it, that's been all over the place. I feel confident about this week, but what's my if I were a betting man record? Six and eight? So I'm just, you know, it's why it's if, okay? It's why it's if I were a betting man, not I am, because I'm not. There's a reason I'm not. I'm not very good at it. but. Let's start the show with last night, Seattle and San Francisco. And I have, I have a few takeaways from that game on both sides, but the major one, Kyle Shanahan's a genius. I've never seen him like this guy. He starts the season with Trey Lance, who we have major questions about. We understand his mobility. Uh, we understand that as a talent, he could be a little bit up and down. Uh, we, 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 Worry a little bit about his experience, right? Didn't play a whole lot of football in college at North Dakota State. Barely played his rookie year in place of an injured Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, uh, we're not sure. I I love Trey Lance, but there was a lot of folks of the San Francisco media that were like, oh, I'm not so sure about this kid. And he broke his foot two weeks in. Well, okay, you go to Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo was not given a playbook over during training camp. And we have... Certainly I do. I think many others have questions about his limitations, clear limitations as a quarterback. He's not great in the pocket. He's fairly accurate. Uh, gets the ball uh, to, to his playmakers, whether it be Devo Samuel, whether it be Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but doesn't really you know, get the ball down the field too often. You know, We worry about, is he carried by the San Francisco 49ers offense? Like, there's a lot of questions with Jimmy. And then Jimmy breaks his foot. And now it's... Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy, seventh round selection out of Iowa State. 
We're like, who, who's who's this kid? Brock Purdy? Oh, man, Niners are done. Yeah, they're 2-0 since he took over. You could argue 3-0 that it's not going to count on his record that when he got against the Miami Dolphins, but put on a show last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and then last night, not at 100%, went on the road in one of the toughest environments in the NFL in wet conditions and beat the Seattle Seahawks, who are an aspiring playoff team. It is now time for us to insert Kyle Shanahan into the coach of the year mix. I understand the rest of the roster is stacked. I understand that. The defense is unbelievable. Okay, we talk about other great defenses in the NFL, the Ravens, the Cowboys, the Eagles. They don't, they don't, none of them hold a candle to this Niners defense. When you talk about that front seven, just constantly getting to the quarterback, folks, Seattle's got a good offensive line. They improved drastically during the draft. Took, you know, took two offensive linemen in the draft, improved their line dramatically to help Geno Smith have what has been one of the more surprising individual seasons in the NFL. It didn't matter. Nick Nick Bosa was in the backfield the whole game. Okay, those interior linemen, they were in the backfield the whole game. All right. And that's secondary. That kid I really like, Hufunga, love that kid. He's all over the place. Right? Making tackles, making plays. Niners defense is incredible. We understand their playmakers, even absent of, of Debo Samuel, you still got Christian McCaffrey, and George Kittle made that big play on the touchdown towards the end of, I'm sorry, to start the second half. Longest touchdown by a tight end this season, by the way. Brandon Ayuk, Juwan Jennings, great offensive line led by the best left tackle in football, Trent Williams. We get that. But what Kyle Shanahan manages to do with quarterbacks, this is now three just this season, who we all have questions about. It isn't like he has Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow. He's got Mr. Relevant. He's got a guy in Jimmy Garoppolo before that who uh, we're not quite sure about his uh, ability to lead a team to the promised land, to help his team get there. Sure, he's done that in 2019, but to lead his team there. And then Trey Lance, he's barely played football. He's won with all three. He's won with all three. The Niners are on a seven-game winning streak. They now sit there at 10-4, and four, and possibly an opportunity to get to that number two seed. They've already clinched the NFC West. But what's really amazing about Kyle Shanahan, and this is why I knew the Christian McCaffrey trade was going to work so long as McCaffrey stayed healthy. Kyle Shanahan has taken so many running backs and turned them into stars. I mean, just last night, this uh, Jordan Mason kid, right? The four carries at the end of the game, 84 yards, obviously broke off that long run to ice the game, almost scored. It, it, it's incredible. The zone schemes he designed in that West Coast offense, people think about the West Coast offense, think about Bill Walsh and the great coaches back in the day, Mike Shanahan, Kyle's dad with the Denver Broncos in the 90s. They think about all-star quarterback play, but the West Coast offense is really set up off the run, set up off the play action, and that's why, in large part, some of the great quarterbacks have been so successful in that scheme. It's why John Elway won two Super Bowls with it. That's why Joe Montana won four Super Bowls in that, in that scheme. And that's why the San Francisco 49ers with Brock Purdy at quarterback. And I don't want to take any, any uh, credit away from the kid. But stick Brock Purdy in Indianapolis. You think he's playing this well? It's incredible. And it's about time that we, we've always given Kyle Shannon, I think, his fair share. He's, he's got his doubters out there. But for the most part, we understand that he's one of the five best coaches in the NFL. I think it's safe to say. It's about time we put him in this coach of the year mix. I mean, Pete Carroll, successful as he has, has been with the Seattle Seahawks team. Seahawks may not even make the playoffs. 
There's a possibility with Brian Dable, who's done a fantastic job with the Giants, there's a chance that could not be the case. Same thing with Robert Saul and the Jets. They might not make the playoffs. All the Coach of the Year candidates, all of a sudden they're sitting there, all of them with seven wins, with four games to go. In the Seahawks' case, three games to go. They may not even get in. I mean, we, we talk about, and this is, this is what separates great coaches. Right, the Chargers have a beat-up roster, but oh Lord have mercy do they have a great quarterback in Justin Herbert. They're 7-6, and six and we're not even sure if they'll get in. Kyle Shanahan has also had injuries to his roster. Trent Williams has gone down. Debo Samuel's gone down multiple times this season. George Kittle was down at one point. And he's 10-4 and four with three quarterbacks. It's about time we give this man his, 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 his uh, credit where it's due. It's remarkable what this guy's doing. Um, as for the Seattle Seahawks, so this obviously puts a major dent in their playoff hopes. They're now 7-7. Seven and seven, And as I talked about on the show uh, yesterday, I said Seattle, and I picked Seattle to win the game because I felt like there was the desperation factor that came to it. It's, it's a division rivalry, right? I, I didn't see a sweep, considering the fact we haven't really seen a sweep in this rivalry in quite some time. So I figured it'd be a, a tight game, which it was, but a tight game that Seattle would, would edge out. But I said they had to win this game because their next three games finish the season are not a lot of gimmies in there. At the Chiefs, got to go to Arrowhead Stadium, home against the Jets in that defense, and then home against the Rams. They'll probably beat the Rams, but that'll get them to eight wins. They, they have to somehow find a way to split the Chiefs and the Jets game. Obviously, we all know the better bet is the Jets. It's a home uh, you'd much rather face as good as Mike White's been this season. You'd much rather face Mike White than Patrick Mahomes, obviously. So we'll see. I, I, I'm not counting Seattle dead quite yet because regardless of the loss, you look at the standings right now, they still sit as the eight seed. They're still, uh, I think they're now a game out of the playoffs behind the New York Giants. Game, game and a half or so. So they're going to need help to get in. They're going to need to take, take care of their end of the bargain to get in. But what was confusing about the game plan last night from Pete Carroll is with an offense. I talked about the offensive line and how it's been really good this season. But what was highly confusing is the fact that they barely ran the ball at all. And folks, throughout that first half, it was nip and tuck. Up until the Niners got that, you know, that touchdown at the end of the half. And obviously... Early in the second half, the long ball to Kittle, that was, that was a close game. Like, Seattle didn't have to uh, match Brock Purdy throw for throw. Kenneth Walker last night got 12 carries. And you see, whether it's in the via the passing game or in the running game, dude is electric with the ball in his hands. I mean, he's, he's one of the fastest running backs, I think, in the NFL. So I, I just don't get what the mindset was of the Seattle Seahawks, considering the fact that you've got an elite running back, I think it's fair to say, Kidd has proven to be elite running back this season. He's, he's up there possibly for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, total, Seattle ran the ball 14 times. It's like, and Geno Smith threw the ball 44 times. I got news for you. As good as Geno Smith has been this season, you're not winning a whole lot of games with him throwing the ball 44 times. Like, that's the only quarterbacks you really trust throw 44 times are like Mahomes, Burrow. Bills don't win a whole lot with Josh Allen throw the ball 44 times because it's often because they're too reliant on him. Because they don't have a running game. In the Chiefs' case, they really just don't run the ball that much. It's never really been Andy Reid's MO outside of when he had Shady McCoy in Philly. 
So it's it was a confusing game plan to say the least, considering the fact that as great as the Niners' defense is, offense isn't too far behind. It isn't like the offense is somehow the weak link of that team. Like to at least try to keep it out of the hands of that Niners' offense, that Niners' running game, who, by the way, on their end had 34 carries, more than double for 170 yards, five, five yards a clip. Seattle, by the way, themselves averaged five yards a clip. They just didn't commit. Didn't commit early enough. They would run the ball in first down and then pass on second and five. It's like, no, stick with it. I mean, I'm 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 not necessarily huge on the, you know, just run the ball until you run into a, a brick wall sort of mentality where you just, you don't get away from it even if it's not working. If it's not working, you got to pivot, adjust, move on to whatever your plan B is. But Seattle didn't really even commit to plan A, if that even was plan A. If the plan was for Geno Smith to to win the game through the air, listen, I like Seattle's weapons. I like DK Metcalf and, and Tyler Lockett, who, by the way, it looks like could be out for the season with a broken finger. We'll see what how that progresses over the coming weeks. They got Noah Fant, but you've gotten here in large part because that running game has been so effective. So I, I didn't really get, get where Seattle was coming from uh, in their game plan. And listen, they better commit to the run next week against Kansas City because the the, the solution, the, the, the way to beat the Chiefs, keep the ball to number 15's hands. Okay, The less he has the ball in his hands, the better chance you, uh, you have of winning. It's as simple as that. Because Kansas City's defense doesn't have exactly have a bunch of world beaters outside of their front four. Like their back end is questionable at best. And it could open up the passing game. Geno Smith could have a bounce back game. But I, I just didn't understand where the Seahawks were coming from in terms of their game plan. So we'll see how progressive moving forward. Uh, but as for the Niners, I don't think I don't I'm not even sure if I can give it Kyle Shanahan enough credit for for what he does. I know he gets a lot of, of criticism for the blown leads in the Super Bowls back when he was the Falcons offensive coordinator when they famously blew the 28 to 3 lead to New England. I don't know if it's when they blew the 10-point lead to Kansas City in the Super Bowl. Last year, the 10-point lead to the Rams. But we got to at least take into account, isn't like the guys had, you know, Josh Allen at quarterback. Like, guys had some pretty limited guys. And, and now he's got Mr. Irrelevant. Which, again, Brock Purdy, to his credit, you look at Brock Purdy's numbers last night, play well, right? Nice 17 for 26, 217, two touchdowns. Didn't turn the football over. 62 QBR and a 117 passer rating. Like, numbers pretty similar. QBR isn't near as good, but all in all, numbers pretty similar to what he did against Tampa on Sunday. Play within the offense. Get the ball to his playmakers. I also, and I tweeted this after the, the Kittle touchdown. And I think it's really interesting. And I talked about this on Monday show after they beat Tampa. I think it tells you a lot about Kyle Shanahan's trust or lack thereof of Jimmy Garoppolo that they pushed the ball down the field a lot with Brock Purdy. And I was talking about how just in the Tampa game alone, Brock Purdy had as many passing touchdowns outside the numbers, so down the field, as Jimmy G has all season. I'm not saying Kyle necessarily trusts Brock Purdy more than Jimmy G, but I don't know. You you could tell the way coach, a coach calls the game how they how much they trust their quarterback. Remember that remember that game last year where Mac Jones threw three passes 
I get it was it was a windy it was windy weather, but Josh Allen threw like thirty something passes. Like you you saw the trust that Sean McDermott had in Josh Allen and, and the trust that that Belichick had in Mac Jones. Like there's coaches will tell you exactly what they think about their quarterbacks by how they coach them, by how they call the game. Offensive coordinators, you know, regard just whoever calls the offensive plays, they they will tell you. They will tell you. No matter what they say to you in the podium or what they say to the media, doesn't matter. We we have eyeballs and we understand how 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 teams call games. Uh, but it was a fascinating game last night. It was a big game. So again, big dent to Seattle's playoff hopes. San Francisco now ten wins. They join uh, let's see Buffalo, Kansas City, Philadelphia, Minnesota, and Dallas as the only other ten win teams in the NFL. But uh, yeah, so they're in. They're the three seed. Uh, Minnesota has a chance to clinch the division tomorrow against the Indianapolis Colts. They're four-point favorites. I'm about to predict that game and all of Week 15 games in just a second. But, uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking at the standings right now. AFC 1 through 7. Buffalo, Kansas City, Baltimore, Tennessee, Cincinnati, Miami, New England. And then uh, two teams tied with New England uh, at 7 and 6 are the Chargers and the Jets. And while the Jags sit in there at 5 and 8, they got a big game against the Cowboys their their best chance of getting in the playoffs is to catch Tennessee for the division because they still play Tennessee. Is that the last game of the season? Yeah, they they host Tennessee the last game of the season. And, uh, and by the way, Titans have a tough schedule to finish. At the Chargers, Texas at home, they'll beat Houston. Cowboys at home, and then at the Jaguars. Jaguars, on the other hand, you look at their schedule, it's Cowboys, that's a tough one, then at Jets, but then you got the Texans, that'll be sort of a revenge game. The Texans' only win this season came against the Jaguars uh, in Jacksonville, so definitely a revenge game for, for the Jags, and then they got home against the Titans. So that AFC South, which we thought was done a few weeks ago, when Tennessee was sitting there at, what were they, 7-3 and three or something? All of a sudden now, <laughs> as, as the great Yogi Berra said, and I don't quote Yankees much of the show, but... Yogi, Yogi Berra said it ain't over till it's over. And we still got four games to go, two-game two difference. It's going to be really, really fascinating to see how that AFC South finishes uh, down the stretch. Out in the NFC, one through seven, you got Philadelphia, Minnesota, San Francisco, Tampa Bay, Dallas, Washington, and then the New York Giants. And then, obviously, followed by Seattle, Detroit. Green Bay still technically in the hunt. By the way, so is Carolina. That's why, that's why I love the NFL. Carolina, and by the way, Atlanta are both in control of their destinies. Because Carolina, if they win against Pittsburgh, and they're favored, and Tampa Bay loses to Cincinnati, and they're underdogs, the Carolina Panthers will be in first place in the NFC South. Same thing for Atlanta, although I think the chances for Atlanta is a bit slimmer. Kyle Pitts is done for the year, and they just made a change at quarterback from Marcus Mariota to Desmond Ritter, the rookie from Cincinnati, and... It seems like there's bigger issues than just Marcus Mariota being injured because his play's been fine. Mariota's been he's been okay this season, but you heard the head coach Arthur Smith talking about it. It sounds like there's some locker room stuff going on, like almost a at least the way the Atlanta media has reported it. Almost seems like Marcus Mariota's kind of quitting the team, which is very concerning. You have issues bigger than than just who your starting quarterback is if you're the Atlanta Falcons. But somehow, someway, they're 5-8, and eight, but they still control their own destiny because they play Tampa Bay. Is it the last game of the season? Yep, they host Tampa Bay the last game of the season, so very similar situation to the Jags. They got the Saints 
at the Ravens. That's tough. The Kylerless Cardinals and then Tampa. Now, thing for Atlanta is they have never beaten Tom Brady ever. They're 0 and 10, 0 and 11, something like that against the GOAT. Be a heck of a time to get the first win if it came down to that. So that NFC South, AFC South, NFC South, those divisions, man, are going to come down to week 18, I feel like. It's going to be very interesting. All right. Enough of my jibber jabber. We got some big, big, did I forget to mention, big matchups. Week 15 of the NFL this season. Before I get started with the background music and everything, I would go ahead and put up my week 14 record. Solid 9-4. and four. Okay, I went 11. It was I think it was 11-3-1 the week prior because there was the one tie between the Jets and the, and, and the Commanders. So 9-4 and four record, week 14. Feel good about it. Feel confident. And uh, due to the loss last night, because I did pick the Seahawks, I'm now 131, uh, 76-2 with a 627 winning percentage. So at least I'll, I'll take that. Hoping to continue to build that thing up and improve my overall record and winning percentage. I think this will be the highest I've ever gotten for a season in terms of winning percentage this season. So trying to build that in the right direction. So let's get started. We got a triple header. Saturday night, NFL Network, starting with one Easter, the Indianapolis Colts, who are pretty much out of the playoffs at this point, taking on the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings in this game are favored minus four. Now, expect this to be a little bit of a close game for a few reasons. Number one, Minnesota, and this has been pretty well documented over the last few weeks, they're 10-3. and three. They're going to win their division, yet they have a negative point differential. Think about that. The Minnesota Vikings have just as many wins as the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills and the San Francisco 49ers. Yet they've gotten outscored by the opponents combined. You combine all their scores, they're in the negative. It's, it's remarkable. Some of it, they got blown out by Philly, they got blown out by Dallas, and they lost by, I think it was 11, to Detroit. So their losses all have been by double digits. And their wins have all been down to the wire. I expect this one to be more of the same. Four feels like an appropriate line because Minnesota in the last few weeks, first of all, their, their secondary has gotten gashed, okay, over the last few weeks. Uh, the, their run defense has struggled. Expect Jonathan Taylor to have a big night. You've also, and listen, I know I talked about it yesterday, and it didn't come to fruition for the Seattle Seahawks, but I always rely on this, the embarrassment theory. When you get humiliated, and did the Colts ever get humiliated in Arlington, Texas at Jerry World against the Cowboys. They go into the fourth quarter down two points. They lose the game by five touchdowns, giving up a 33-point quarter to the Cowboys, mostly aided by just bad turnovers, whether it be Matt Ryan picks, whether it be fumbles. It was just sloppy, careless football by the Jeff Saturday-led Indianapolis Colts. Coming off of a bye... Normally, I would say that's advantage by team, but I usually reserve that for the well-coached teams like the Chiefs or teams like that, the Eagles. Uh, this is Jeff Saturday. I'm like, come on. Like, we, we knew this was going to be a disaster from the start. It's been just that. Won his first game against the Las Vegas Raiders. Has not won since. Expect this to be close down to the wire. But Minnesota has not lost a one-score game all season long. Because I think it's going to be a one-score game, it's going to come down to the wire. But Minnesota just has the better roster. They're at home. It's going to be a great crowd. Give me the Vikings. 27-20 to 20 
over the Indianapolis Colts. They will go 11-3 and and officially clinch the NFC North, becoming the second team in the NFL out of eight divisions to clinch their respective division. Speaking of those divisions, we got an AFC North matchup. The Baltimore Ravens, the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland, interesting line here. Cleveland favored minus three. This also ga- this game also on Saturday, by the way. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So what's fascinating is ever since Deshaun Watson's come back, it's and it's only been two game sample size, but it's been kind of a disaster. He's turned the football over. He hasn't been accurate. Hasn't really looked comfortable or in a rhythm with the Browns offense led by, of course, Tevin, Kevin Stefanski, who likes to run it through Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. The timing hasn't been there. Well, that was to be expected. And, and as I said, when Deshaun Watson came back from the 11-game suspension, this is a six-game preseason. Like, the Browns are out of the playoffs. They're, they're not getting in. I think when he came back, they were four and three, four, four and seven or three and eight, something like that. I think they were four and seven when he came back. Uh, you know, they're not getting in the playoffs. But what's interesting about this game is, so Cleveland's at home. Baltimore comes in, third straight game with their backup quarterback, Tyler Huntley. He was on the injury report. It looked like they were going to have to start the third stringer, Anthony Brown. They're going to they're go with Tyler Huntley, who's been a solid backup in place for Lamar Jackson. Has, uh, has anybody paid attention outside of Baltimore, Maryland, to the Ravens' defense? Uh, it's been incredible over the last few weeks. Last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers, 14 points. Week before that, 9 points to the Denver Broncos. Gave up 28 to Jacksonville the week before that. A field goal against the Panthers, 13 points against the Saints. So for the last month, this is a solid sample size here, 4 or 5 games. This Ravens defense has taken a massive step in the right direction. So because of the, the, the bad timing between Deshaun Watson, his receivers, haven't loved the game plan, by the way, by Kevin Stefanski the last few games. Uh, I, I think it's close. It's an AFC North matchup. It's a division rivalry expected to be very, very low scoring. Give me the Baltimore Ravens to win this game and get what is a, it's crazy to say, an upset, a 9-14 and 14 versus a 5-8 and eight team. But give me the Ravens, 19-12. to 12. I don't think either team breaks 20. I do not think the Browns crack more than two touchdowns. Give me the Ravens, 19-12. to 12. They maintain first place in the AFC North. And the nightcap. The nightcap. Another divisional matchup, this being an AFC East matchup, and it is this week's segment of What I Betting Man. If I were a betting man, I'm looking at the Miami Dolphins and I'm looking at the Buffalo Bills. Now, Buffalo in this game, big favorites. Favored minus seven against the Miami Dolphins. Now, what you have to recognize is that there's gonna be a lot of snow in Buffalo. They're Meteorologist in the Buffalo area are predicting eh, six, seven inches of snow in Buffalo. Now, as I said on Monday show, this is not going to be a pretty night for Tua and the Dolphins. Tua in sub-freezing temperatures in his career is 0-4 with four touchdowns and six picks. So history, Tua's history specifically, 
doesn't say a whole lot of good. Not to mention the morale of the Dolphins doesn't seem to be great. I mean, folks, <laughs> the Dolphins were complaining about the weather in Los Angeles. And, and Los Angeles natives, natives may say, hey, it was, it was a little chilly. It's 50 degrees. That's chilly for Los Angeles. Buffalo would give anything to have 50-degree weather in December. And, and, and the Dolphins had heaters on the sideline against the Chargers. How are they going to survive in Buffalo? We know the Bills can win in ugly weather. We saw them do it last week at home against the New York Jets. It was rainy. It was wet. It was nasty. They still have put up 20 points against a very good Jets defense. This Dolphins defense is not as good as those Jets. If I were a betting man, take the Bills to cover that seven-point spread. They win this game 24-10 to over the Miami Dolphins. Yes, the Dolphins do not score more than 10 points. This is not an offense by any way, shape, or form that is built to survive in bad weather. The bad news for Tua Tungo-Vailoa, Mike McDaniel of the Miami Dolphins, is if they get in the playoffs, should they get in the playoffs, they got to play in some cold-weather cities, whether it be the Buffalo Bills or the Chiefs or the Ravens or the Bengals. It's going to be cold weather. Or Tennessee, even. gets chilly in Nashville. Not as chilly as, as in those other cities, but you got to deal with cold weather this time of year, and the Dolphins simply are not built for that. If I were a bet man, take the Bills to cover that seven-point spread. Moving on to Sunday's games. The Philadelphia Eagles taking on the Chicago Bears. Eagles, big road favorites. No surprise there. Favored at minus nine. Now, for Chicago, this is a defense that ever since it lost Roquan Smith, uh, not to mention Robert Quinn, has just been absolutely just torched in the passing game. Okay, Aaron Rodgers went off on them. Then again, Aaron Rodgers kind of owns the Chicago Bears. But, you know, that's nothing here nor there. You look at what teams like uh, the Cowboys did to them. You look at uh, last week what, uh, or I'm sorry, a few weeks ago, what Mike White did to the Chicago Bears. Uh, what Marcus Mariota, who's now benched, did to the Chicago Bears. It's been a bad, bad year for that Bears defense in, in a city that's used to having pretty good defenses. It usually is the strength of the Bears. Justin Fields looks like he's going to play this week. I think he's been dealing with some sort of uh, illness. Looks like he's going to be able to go against the Philadelphia Eagles. But I don't I don't see this thing being competitive. The only thing I can figure is Philadelphia comes in. Maybe they're looking ahead to Dallas, possibly. Kind of like, I, I, you know, you worry about the Cowboys looking ahead to them. Obviously, that'll be one of the biggest matchups of the NFL season on Christmas Eve. Got to wait a week for that game. But you go to Chicago, it's going to be very, very cold weather. But I just talked about the Dolphins are not built to to win or even play well in cold weather. Eagles, exact opposite. Can they beat you downfield in the pass game? Of course they can. And I, and I anticipate they'll hit some plays down the field, particularly to A.J. Brown or Quez Watkins. But the short game, slant patterns to, uh, to Devontae Smith, most importantly, behind the best offensive line in football, the running game with Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, and company. Okay, this is probably outside of the San Francisco 49ers, probably the most effective run game in the NFL. Certainly the most effective run game with a quarterback in the NFL. Jalen Hurts is, as I talked about in the show yesterday, first in, I'm sorry, third in running first downs among all players in the NFL. Not quarterbacks, all players. A quarterback, Jalen Hurts, is third in rushing first downs. Uh, this, I don't expect to be competitive. I don't think the score will be quite indicative of what it'll be. Giving the Philadelphia Eagles to beat the Chicago Bears by a final score of 28 to 16. 28-16 Eagles win over the Bears. Go to 13-1 and put themselves in a good position against the Cowboys where even if they lose, 
they still control their own destiny, not just for the NFC East, but get, to get that very coveted number one seed and therefore a first-round bye in the NFC playoffs. Moving on to an NFC South matchup. you got the Atlanta Falcons. You've got the New Orleans Saints. Two teams that are still incredibly alive for the NFC South. Arguably the worst division of football because every team in that division has a losing record. So in this game, Saints are favored minus four. Uh, listen, the Superdome is not quite the uh, terrifying environment that it was in the past with the likes of Drew Brees and Sean Payton, some of those great defenses and offenses. It's not that anymore, but it's still a tough place to play. Not to mention Desmond Ritter. First star in the NFL, rookie out of Cincinnati, had a solid college career, helped the Bearcats get to the college football playoff last season. Didn't think they should have gotten in. That's why they heard her there. But first start in NOLA against a great Saints defense. Listen, I know, I know they're down some guys, but Cam Jordan is still an elite pass rusher. Mario Davis is arguably the most underrated linebacker in the NFL. Not sure whether or not Marshawn Lattimore is going to be able to go. I don't think it's going to matter because of the fact that you're missing, uh, uh, obviously, traded Calvin Ridley to the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's still suspended for uh, for the gambling, but you lost Kyle Pitts for the season. Drake London, you guys know I really like this kid, really talented receiver, but I do not like Drake London, the rookie out of USC, as much as I like Chris Olave out of the Ohio State University. Matter of fact, before the season started, I predicted Mr. Olave to win this year's Offensive Rookie of the Year. Boy, has he produced this season. You look at his numbers uh, for the New York Jets. I'm sorry, for the New Orleans Saints. 60 catches, 887 yards, three touchdowns. That is with, for a brief spell, Jameis Winston at quarterback and with Andy Dalton at quarterback. Two guys we consider at this stage of their career backups. Andy, I think, is a, even Jameis to a certain degree is a low-end starter, high-end backup, but... They're both going to be relegated to, to hold clipboards unless they're called upon. So what he's done this season is, is, is highly impressive. Uh, so with all that said, I'm going to take the New Orleans Saints to win this game. A little bit of a high-scoring match, 31-20 to 20 over the Atlanta Falcons. They mount their division records up. Both teams will be 5-9 and nine after this game. The Saints will certainly be alive, incredibly, for that NFC South, despite the fact that Dennis Allen has... Uh, Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I was willing to give the guys a second chance after how poorly it went in Oakland with the Raiders. Turns out it wasn't just the fact that the Raiders are a dysfunctional organization. It's the fact that Dennis Allen is a bad head coach, in large part because of his complete lack of situational awareness. He's a much better defensive coordinator than head coach. But hey, there's a lot of coordinators, better coordinators than they are head coaches of football teams. Moving on. Very fascinating matchup. The Detroit Lions and the New York Jets. Jets in this game favored by a point and a half. So this is kind of nip and tuck here. So for the Detroit Lions, they're sitting there. They're very excited about that Seattle Seahawks loss. They know. You got the Giants and the Commanders playing Sunday night. Both teams 7-5-1. Somebody's got to lose. So Detroit knows, hey, we win this game. We're 7-7. Seven and seven. 
we got a shot to get in the playoffs. You got the Jets, however, on the other hand, coming off of a tough loss against the Buffalo Bills. Tough, not just the fact that they lost the game, but in the fact that their quarterback is tough as nails. Mike White getting knocked in and out of the game, dealing with rib injuries. Actually had to be taken to the hospital after the game because they were worried about whether or not he injured his kidney. Like, this is this is what, what, what this guy was pulling off. And obviously, Joe Flacco came in and uh, it got so ugly that Zach Wilson was actually elevated to being the backup quarterback. So, do we see Zach Wilson? Uh, certainly, we hope not because that would mean Mike White got injured. Because there's no way Mike White could be bad enough for Zach Wilson to get back in the game. Certainly, it gets a Detroit Lions pass defense that's been put it mildly, awful, which is exactly why I can see this thing getting out of hand quick. Cold weather, Detroit again, not really a team built for cold weather. Uh, I worry a little bit about there's sort of this national media tension around Dan Campbell and Jared Goff, both of which have had very good seasons. I mean, I had the Lions as, as a team to, to double their wins from last year. I'll bet they won three games, but they're up to six now. They've done, they've done it. They've doubled their wins. They're in the playoff mix. But I think for the Jets, they get back in the, their winning ways. I think it's a blowout. I think they double up the Detroit Lions 34 to 17. They more than cover the point and a half point spread. I like the Jets with all those receivers, Garrett Wilson and company, win this game over one of the worst defenses of football, the Detroit Lions 34 to 17. Moving on to a game that I strongly consider making my Bryson's bleak bet pick. I was is that this close. It was ended up finishing second. The Dallas Cowboys and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Dallas in this game favored minus four. Now, this is fascinating because this game at one point, I think when it first opened, was like a five and a half, and it slowly crawled down to four because a lot of folks were like, man, give me the Jags and the points in Vegas to the point where it crawled down to Dallas minus four, which feels uh, a bit more appropriate. So, of course, for the Cowboys, you got a four-game winning streak coming off of a last-second win over the worst team in the National Football League, the Houston Texans, the one-win Texans, uh, who they beat on a 98-yard game-winning drive by my man, Rain Dakota Prescott. They go to Jacksonville, a team that is running some serious momentum. And they, like the Detroit Lions, know, hey, if we are in a position where we beat the Cowboys and the Titans lose to the Chargers, all of a sudden, we control our own destiny to win the AFC South. Not to mention, folks, I don't know if you've been noticing, Trevor Lawrence is playing excellent football right now. Look at the season. He's cleaned up the turnovers. He hasn't, uh, you know, his turnovers starting to climb up at the start of the season. He's now only at six. 20 touchdowns, which is top 10 in the league. 3,200 yards, which is ninth in the league. His QBR is 56, which is 13. That can, that can improve, uh, certainly. 66% completion percentage. Guys looked every bit like the number one pick that he was drafted out of Clemson from 2021. Okay, and, and you see, and I, I knew that this would be the case, that Doug Peterson would take over for the disaster that was Urban Meyer last year with the Jags. Doug Peterson, I would go so far as to call him a quarterback whisperer, being able to develop a young guy with all those receivers they have, led by Christian Kirk. Okay, they, listen, the Jags, uh, I think Marvin Jones is with the Jags, really nice slot guy. So the Jags have weapons, Travis Etienne. So Jacksonville coming in this game, coming off serious momentum, dropping, I think it what was it, 34 last week? 36, I'm sorry, against the Tennessee Titans, against, against what's a solid defense. So the Cowboys defense is going to, you know, kind of have their hands full, right? Especially with the secondary that's been really beat up. 
You got Anthony Brown and Jordan Lewis, who are both done for the year, and Trayvon Diggs, the number one guy, who I crossing my fingers is not going to be the gambler this week, and I'll have to sing Kenny Rogers on Monday. But he's dealing with a finger injury. It's Cowboys secondary this weekend. It's an offense that, on the other hand, is getting healthier, and they just added T.Y. Hilton. Fun fact, the Cowboys are actually looking for their first win in Jacksonville ever. They played one game in their history in Jacksonville. That was 2006. It was actually the debut in a Cowboys uniform of Terrell Owens. They lost that game. They haven't been back since. They returned in 2022, 16 years later. I think that this is much closer than people think. I think it's 2020. Five minutes left. Dak leads a Cowboys drive. 75 yards. Capped off by a Zeke touchdown from one yard out. They go up 27-20. Trevor Lawrence does exactly what he does against the Baltimore Ravens. Drives the Jags down the field. They score a touchdown. And like the, uh, like they did against the Ravens, they go for two, but they don't convert. So with that, and the Cowboys win this game by the skin of their teeth. 27 to 26. Simply because I don't think the Cowboys are as good as people give them credit for. I'm sorry, aren't as, as are, are not as good as, as people give them credit for. I think the Jaguars uh, are on the come up. Mostly because of their young quarterback, who is simply a phenomenal talent. Give me the Cowboys, barely 27 to 26, and dealing a pretty big blow to the Chargers' AFC South hopes. Moving on to the next matchup. See, what do we got here? Let's see. Oh, yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers, Carolina Panthers. Steelers in, I'm sorry, Panthers in this game. It's basically a pick them because they are the home team favored by a field goal, favored by three points. So, Pittsburgh in this game. Uh, we have absolutely no idea who the starting quarterback is going to be. Mason Rudolph could be Mitch Trubisky. But Kenny Pickett is out this week with a concussion. Uh, and, and there's been sort of a divide in the locker room about who the guy is going to be. Whether it be Mason Rudolph, uh, whether it be Mitch Trubisky, a lot of guys in that locker room are campaigning for Mason Rudolph. They've seen enough for Mitch Trubisky. He threw three picks in relief last week and was simply atrocious in relief of Kenny Pickett. As for the Panthers, as I detailed earlier, they do control their own destiny to win the NFC South. Sam Darnold was shaky at best in Seattle last week, but they were aided by the running game. Deontay Formal was good. Chuba Hubbard was good. Like, this Panthers offense has really found their uh, their identity offensively in the running game. Uh, give a lot of credit to, uh, to Steve Wilkes. Took over as the interim head coach in place of Matt Rule. This Panthers team is playing spirit of football. They're playing hard for their head coach. And it's produced, produced results. DJ Moore is playing good football. And a Panthers defense led by Brian Burns, who a lot of folks were campaigning, including myself, for the Panthers to trade him. Well, he's been highly effective for them to put them in position to possibly make the playoffs. What is also maligned for the Steelers, their season's over. Okay, they're 5-8. and eight. They're not making the playoffs in what's a stacked AFC. What is on the line, though? For possibly the first time in history, Mike Tomlin, should he lose on Sunday, will have a losing record for the first time in his head coaching career. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And I'm going to take 
the Carolina Panthers to win a little bit of an ugly game, 22 to 18, simply because if it's Trubisky, then there's going to be turnovers. If it's Mason Rudolph, they're not going to get any big plays down the field, despite the fact that they have some very talented receivers, such as Deontay Johnson and, uh, and George Pickens. I'm going to roll with the Panthers in this game to get their sixth win of the year. A little bit on, on a roll now, 22 to 18 over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Moving on to what is the biggest point spread of this weekend. The Kansas City Chiefs and the Houston Texans. No surprise there. Kansas City is favored minus 14. Now, they're going into this. This is in Houston. So if you're in Kansas City, I guess do the math. It would be a 20-point spread because the Chiefs would be at home and, you know, just do the math there. And the home team obviously gets a field goal. So for Houston, obviously heartbreaking, devastating loss to the Dallas Cowboys in Arlington last week. As for Kansas City, could this possibly be, given the fact that they have an easy schedule moving forward, a lookover game? Listen, Kansas City's going to get theirs. Like, just go ahead and put it on the board. They're scoring 30 points in this game without a question. But for Houston, though, they got some big plays in the passing game last week against Dallas. Most specifically with the guy who Aaron Rodgers famously said, yeah, he returns kicks for us. The guy's name is Amari Rodgers. And he caught a touchdown, went up on a jump ball, made a catch for a touchdown last week against Dallas. So expect him to make some big plays against a Kansas City defense that is really bad. Stopping the pass game. So bad that they made Russell Wilson look like the Seattle Russell Wilson. Made him look like the guy that I thought the Broncos were getting in that trade last March. And so I am actually going to make a bold prediction. I don't think the Chiefs cover. I really don't. They win the game, but because of the fact that their secondary is struggling so much, and this Houston, you know, sort of weird quarterback rotation that they got with Davis Mills, Jeff Driscoll, worked okay against Dallas last week. I think they'll get exactly what they got against the Cowboys a week ago, especially considering the fact they're playing a worse defense. They'll get 23, but they'll fall to the Kansas City Chiefs. Listen, the Chiefs don't give two craps about covering. They just want to win the game, and they will obviously do that 34-23. to 23. Moving on to a game that is possibly going to feature two backup quarterbacks, so I won't spend too much time on it, considering these two teams' season is basically over, and they're hoping for a high draft pick, except, of course, for the Denver Broncos. If they tank, Seattle's pick gets higher because they traded for Russell Wilson and what was... Quite simply, one of the worst trades in sports history. Point is, it's the Arizona Cardinals, it's the Denver Broncos. Russell Wilson is probably going to play. It's kind of a, it's it, it's kind of iffy considering the fact that he suffered a concussion. If it's not Russ, it's Brett Rippon. You know, it's, okay, not a massive gap there. As for the Cardinals, Kyler Murray obviously done for the season. Looks like Cliff Kingsbury is going to lose his job after the season. And it's going to be Colt McCoy, quarterback, who's done a respectable job over the last couple of years uh, as Kyler Murray's backup. By the way, Broncos in this game favored by a field goal. Uh, listen, Denver's offense seemed to get a little something going against some of that, I think, is the fact that they they got turnovers. The the Broncos' defense did. So set, set the offense up in good field position. And the Kansas City Chiefs' defense, particularly in the secondary, isn't very good. So if you look at, on the other hand, the, uh, the, the Cardinals' secondary, there was points where they made Mac Jones look like a franchise quarterback, which look at Mac Jones' body of work, especially this year, has not been the case. So, do not think they cover, but I'm going to roll with the Broncos. Broncos country. Let's go home. Let, let, let's make this quick. Broncos win 24-22 to against the Arizona Cardinals. Interesting matchup here in Vegas. The Raiders hosting the Patriots. Raiders favoring this game 
minus one. Now, this is a little bit of a sort of a, a revenge game for one individual in particular. His name is Josh McDaniels. He is the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Obviously, for a combined 16 years, he was the offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots. Obviously, the break in between when he failed miserably as the head coach of the Denver Broncos before going back to New England two years later getting hired to be the Raiders head coach. Safe to say it's been pretty much a disaster. Raiders have been one of the most disappointing teams in the NFL. Uh, they've they've struggled at times in offense, despite the fact that they've got, to me, a clear franchise quarterback in Derek Carr, and arguably still the best receiver in football in Devontae Adams, and Josh Jacobs is having possibly his best season of his career in a contract year, nonetheless. As for New England, as it stands today, they're in the playoffs with a 7-6 and six record. But I said coming into the season, said this, heck, I said this back in May when the schedule came out. The end of New England's schedule, starting with Thanksgiving against the Minnesota Vikings, folks, was going to be absolutely brutal. And I said they would win one game in that stretch. And I correctly predicted last week it would be the Cardinals. And some of that was Kyler's injury, but I still think even if Kyler played, listen, New England took advantage of some turnovers. Mac Jones played well enough. They got the W. But this Raiders team, bad as this defense is, and I think Mac Jones will have a solid afternoon. But this Raiders team is fuming after that loss on national television to Baker Mayfield, who had been a Ram for all of 48 hours on the road at SoFi Stadium. I think, listen, Matt Patricia, who's now somehow, someway, the offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots, despite being a defensive coach, his return game against Bill Belichick back in 2018, Lions won that game big. I don't see a blowout forthcoming. I don't. But you know I love me some Derek Carr. I think he's one of the most, if not the most, underrated quarterback in the National Football League. And I think he outguns Mac Jones. Give me, of course, that's not saying much. Give me the Raiders to win this game. <laughs> Sorry about that. Didn't have to throw a needless shot there. Give me the Raiders to win this game. 28 to 21 over the New England Patriots. Putting a dent in New England's playoff hopes. As bad as the season's gone for Josh McDaniels, he would love nothing more than to play spoiler. His old boss, 16 years, Bill Bell. It is now time for Bryson's Bleak Bet. It is the one game every week that I've absolutely no confidence whatsoever in predicting. But hey, we got to predict the games every week. All 272 of them. Just have one game every week. We just, you know, just doesn't feel, you know, I don't feel that great about it. I don't know if you do either. If you are betting the game or just doing a straight up pick em. Two seven and six teams in the AFC, the Tennessee Titans and the Los Angeles Chargers. Another game where a team is favored by a field goal at home. Chargers favored minus three. Uh, again, Chargers probably have the least home field advantage in the NFL. I'm not saying there's good. the Titans fans are going to uh, outnumber the Chargers fans. But as small as the Chargers fan base is, I wouldn't roll it out. Yeah, I wouldn't roll it out. Uh, here's what I'm looking at. Titans obviously on a three-game losing streak. They're not playing good football as of late. Uh, Derrick Henry has been quiet as a mouse. Uh, Ryan Tannehill's played bad football, a lot of turnovers. Uh, they blew a double-digit lead against the Jags last week. Jags absolutely shredded their defense. And what I'm looking at for the Chargers in is, is that felt like a little bit of a season-saving win. Last week, obviously, against the Miami Dolphins to, in, in some respects. Obviously, there's the whole Tua Herbert thing, which, you know, you could tell that game meant a lot to Justin Herbert. He was a little more demonstrative than he usually is. He's usually very you know, stone-faced, doesn't show a lot of emotion. He did a little bit on Sunday. So maybe there's a little bit of a letdown against Tennessee. For uh, the Titans, obviously they're hoping for a Jags loss to, to Dallas. 
but they know they got to win this game. And, and not just winning the AFC South, just getting into the playoffs, they got to build a little, a little bit of momentum. Because as it stands right now, who would they play uh, in the AFC should they match up? Uh, Tennessee would play the Bengals. Oh, boy. Yeah, you definitely want to build some momentum going into that game considering that they beat you last year in the playoffs and they just beat you a few weeks ago to start this losing streak. And so, I don't feel great about this. Austin Eckler is on pace for yet another 20-touchdown season, by the way. Michael the Mike Sports pointed that out. Big Chargers fan. Shout out to him. Uh, but I believe in Justin Herbert. Brandon Staley step in and possibly screw it up against Mike Vrabel, probably. And that's why this is Bryson's bleak bet. I don't have confidence in this pick at all. Chargers win, 31-26. Listen, it's a Tennessee defense that struggled mightily over the last few weeks. Liner provided that not to be the case this week against Justin Herbert and all the weapons that he has. Chargers win this game. Bryson's bleak bet. Chargers win 31-26 over the Tennessee Titans. And should Jacksonville beat Dallas... All of a sudden, that AFC South gets really interesting. Can't wait to see how that turns out. All right. It is now time for my upset of the week. Give me the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, you heard me correctly. To beat the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals favorite in this game. Minus three and a half. And here is why. So, everything about this game makes you want to point Cincinnati. Right there. On a five-game winning streak, Joe Burrow is playing tremendous football. He finally got his first win. Props to Joe. He gets the Cleveland Browns this past Sunday. Jamar Chase is back in the lineup. He looks every bit like the Jamar Chase that we know and love. Joe Mixon will see if he's back in the lineup soon. But for Tampa, listen, every time that they've been in a position where it feels like they really kind of have to win a game this year, they've done just that. Think about that home game. These are all home games, by the way against the Los Angeles Rams. They're 3-5. and five. Yes, they're probably going to win the division, but gosh, it sure helped them to, to get a win against the Rams. Tom led a game with the drive. A few weeks later, Monday Night Football gets the New Orleans Saints down 16-3 with three minutes left. They're probably still going to win the NFC South, but man, a, a, a good old-fashioned vintage Tom Brady comeback certainly wouldn't hurt matters, would it? And that's exactly excuse me, what happened. Tom led back-to-back scoring drives to win the game. I have a feeling there's a lot of drama, a lot of noise about Tom Brady possibly interfering with the coach's game plan, putting his own plays in. Don't know if that's true or not. But a lot of noise around this game about is Joe Burrow the next Tom Brady? Which, Not discounting that, I feel like the closest thing to Brady that we're ever going to see in terms of playoff success and championships plays in Kansas City. First of all, he's already won the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow is not. Won an MVP. Joe Burrow is not. But I feel like he's the closest thing that we'll see to Tom Brady. Not going to catch Tom Brady in rings, I don't think. But closest thing we could see. He could get possibly up to three or four. But nevertheless, it's two calm, collected, and cool quarterbacks under pressure. This feels like that late afternoon Tom Brady game against another elite quarterback. Salas back in the day with when he played Peyton Manning all those years ago, or when he played Ben Roethlisberger or Philip Rivers all those years ago, where it's it's you know there's some funky stuff that happened. Okay, Tampa Bay's offense sort of wakes up a little bit. Cincinnati responds 
Joe Burrow with the weapons he has gets a Tampa defense that just got absolutely humiliated last week against the San Francisco 49ers. Does the embarrassment theory come into play? Quite possibly, considering the fact that Tampa lost by four touchdowns to one Brock Purdy in Tom Brady's homecoming to his hometown in the Bay Area. Just one of those games, man. Just one of those games. Got a feeling. Joe Burrow, a much better quarterback than Tom Brady. You better believe it. Is Tampa, be- I'm sorry, is Cincinnati better coached? Got a better roster? Yeah, they do. They do. But I don't bet against that, man. I don't bet against Mr. Tom Brady. I sense another game-winning drive. It's 24-24. Number 12 leads his team down the field. Ryan Suckup hits a walk-off field goal from 47 yards out. Buccaneers win. And my upset of the week, 27-24 over the Cincinnati Bengals. You could argue that's a, a bleak bet pick, but I'm all with Tom Brady. I'm all with the GOAT. Now, if they win that game, you'll see me wear my Tom Brady jersey on Monday. Last game of the day. It's a big one, folks. In the NFC East, the Giants and the Commanders, both teams sitting at 7-5-1. and one. Commanders' last game was against these Giants, in which they, of course, tied. Giants last week, however, faced the best team, arguably in the National Football League, the Eagles, and got absolutely, as I said on Monday, humbled. Threaded by Jalen Hurts in that great Eagles offense. The defense shut Daniel Jones down. Daniel Jones, ever since that Detroit game, has never looked the same. Listen, these limited quarterbacks, when 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 coaches get film on you and they figure you out, it becomes a problem. And that's been the case for Joe Burrow in the Cincinnati. Uh, Joe Burrow. I'm uh, stuck on that Bengals uh, uh, Buccaneers game. For Daniel Jones, rather. Daniel Jones has put up some pretty uh, horrendous QBRs. In the last few games, let's see. Let me pull it up real quick. Uh, Daniel Jones last few weeks since the Detroit Lions game against the Dallas Cowboys. Right? He posted a 59 QBR. Not bad. Not going to blow your socks off. Okay? Against the Washington Commanders, he posted a 31 QBR. And against the Philadelphia Eagles, Mr. Daniel Jones posted a 78 QBR. But let's be honest. Wasn't all that effective. As for Washington... It looks like they can get Chase Young back this week. Taylor Heineke is playing, for the most part, mistake-free football, getting the ball to his playmakers, and Terry McLaurin and company. They've, they've had a good running game with, with Gibson uh, and Robinson, that running back as well. Um, it's in Washington, by the way. Commander's favor, minus four and a half. This is a desperation game. And as much as I love Brian Dable, I trust Ron Rivera slightly more in large part because I trust Taylor Heineke more than I trust Daniel Jones. Not to mention, by the way, Giants are beat up. And wide receiver in the defense. Saquon Barkley's dealing with injuries. Washington Commanders win this game on Sunday Night Football, and they cover the four-and-a-half-point spread. 26-20 over the New York Giants in this big matchup in the NFC East. Commanders beat the Giants by a final score of 26-20. There's my picks. So I'm 0-1 this week. I picked the Seahawks to win last night. Really at the time that I'm recording the show, like literally hours ago uh, from the time that that game concluded. But, hey, it's going to be some very, very fun games in Week 15. Not to mention, by the way, World Cup Final on Sunday morning at, I think, 10 a.m. Eastern. Let me check. Most of the the big uh, games have been at 10 Eastern in the World Cup. Yep, 10 a.m. Eastern on Fox, Argentina, and France. Messi tries to get a World Cup. 
I'm going to roll with the champs. I'm going to roll with France. Listen, as a, as a fan of a dynasty, that being the Golden State Warriors, you know, there's something about that championship heart, DNA. I get Messi's obviously uh, the GOAT. I take him over Ronaldo, but I'm rolling with the defending champs. France, just like our U.S. women's team, goes back-to-back on Sunday. I've been pulling for France. They were my pick also to win the tournament to start, uh, but I'm rolling with the French to beat Argentina, deny Messi a World Cup, and win in 2023. And with that, that is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by as always. Be sure to catch Carving It Up live on Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. Also, be sure to catch uh, Carving Up. Be sure to like, share, comment, hit that big red subscribe button. Take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button and hit the notification bell. Get notifications anytime we go live, upload a video, upload a short, whatever. Get notified anytime the newest Carving It Up content comes out. Also, be sure to catch my show on The Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, The Grid Podcast Network, along with my guys Barry Grant Jr. from the All Even Podcast, Ryan Flowers from Clutch Sports Talk, All right, Alfred Parsar Jr. of the Rocket Field Jets Podcast, the Cowboys Cam Fan Podcast, and Patrick Brown of the Chaotic Sports Podcast. We got some great content over there on YouTube. Like, share, comment, subscribe over there as well. Also, Check out my show. If you want to listen to my show on a podcast, find it on the Grid Network, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, as well as wherever you listen to your podcast. Great content over there. Please check it out. So, you got a great weekend of sports. The holidays are upon us. Christmas is next week. To those uh, celebrating the other holidays, we wish you the very best as well. Have a great weekend, everybody. Please continue to stay safe out there. God bless you all. Peace out. I'm rolling with the French. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.